0: Our new DFS line of genius is literally the coolest thing in DFS, and it's $45 for the season. It's so good that even people that don't play DFS use it every week. <laughs> 10 takeaways, Woo, off we go. Mmm, mm. fun week, huh? Fun week, fun week. Hope you played those. Uh, we play those lions, right? Play, play those Seahawks, right? Yes, I was. Oh, I woke up Sunday morning, I, I fired off an email. I was like, okay, just make sure everybody plays Russ and Sutton and all the lions and all, all the Seahawks. I was just like, both, please, yeah. And then someone wrote back, "It's like a shark's out," and I was like, "Yeah, well, okay." It says or Reynolds, right? Or Hawkinson, right? It, it, you don't, you don't need, right? It was like <laughs> or Craig Reynolds, like it was everybody. I was like, "Yes, play everybody." Obviously, you're playing everybody from this game. I mean, it wasn't obvious. That's the thing; it wasn't obvious to Vegas with the uh, 48 point total. I was like, "What? <laughs> they might double it. They almost doubled the total." <laughs> like. That's it. We have had some just incredible calls. The Stack Fest show we do with Roto Grinders on the Roto Grinders channel, YouTube channel, it's crazy. It's crazy. We we just we spend all our time on uh why you need to be underweight on Ravens Bills and overweight on Seahawks Lions. That was just epic. And then the the, the sugar on top of the end was like, oh, Russ Sutton stacks. I was like, no! Ow! Yeah. What a week. I couldn't believe it. It was, I was looking, up, I was like, wait a minute. They've scored 39 points in the first half. Okay. Cool. They are, they're, they're pacing for, for 80. And then they went over that. They went over their first half pace in the second half. Just in, incredible. Who else is going to get the, the points? Right? It's, it, if it can't be Chark, it can't be, can't be St. Brown. They're uh, out. Well, it's going to have to be Hawkinson. It's going to have to be Reynolds. It's going to have to be Jamal Williams. And I was very, very happy to see how much Jamal Williams I had in the FFWC. I remember liking Jamal Williams as as one of our many sort of uh, just uh, paint it green in the in the double digit rounds running backs. But I I didn't realize how many Jamal Williams I had. I was like, oh wow, I Jamal Williams one of my highest most rostered players, uh, eclipsed only by Craig Reynolds, right? And Craig Reynolds did, got like one carry it was like for 21 years like 21 yards of carry for Craig Reynolds great job but it was all about Jamal Williams and so it, d- it didn't matter how you stacked it i remember laying it out it's like if you want to do lions receivers with penny that's cool if you want to do jamal williams with seahawks receivers that's also cool that's a bigger stack because then you would actually have gino does have some rushing ability and he has the better weapons so gino would be the one quarterback you would actually play in dfs Goff, not a DFS quarterback. He's just not. Gino, absolutely, given it that he was down by 5K, down close to 5K, we were like, no, Gino's the quarterback this week in cash and tournaments. It was like, yes, 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 Gino. I played Gino in the Scott Fish Bowl. So that's uh that's a thing that happened. I benched Carr for Gino. Yeah! I feel great i feel great that game right that game it was just it was so good and it was the reason why player profiler exists like player profiler exists for a couple reasons and we'll talk about uh trevor lawrence trevor lawrence uh yeah his advanced metrics aren't uh, what we would uh, like to see unfortunately uh he's been playing well and i think the perception is that he's peyton manning and uh, I'm gonna hold off on that for a moment. I'm not quite sure that that's uh, uh, the the right thing to say. I you know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, if I found window, let's see window. here we go. window, sound effects. Ah, I found my sound effects. late, very late, very late to the game here. Okay, one more time, everybody. One more time, just for the just, yes, the game was at Detroit and it had a forty eight point total. With Geno Smith operating as one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league thus far, and the Lions having one of the most fast-paced, prolific offenses, and the point total was 48. Vegas, shame on you. And uh, we called it in, a, in, in an epic way that that game was going to smash way, way over, and that Geno Smith was DFS viable in both cash and tournaments, and that that was a game stack. That even though the starting receivers were Josh Reynolds and Quintez Cephas and Khalil Raymond or Khalif Raymond, Khalif Raymond. I apologize to Khalif Raymond and his family for mispronouncing his name there. Not typically a starter, though, right? Uh, TJ Hawkinson, right? All the reasons why we were fading TJ Hawkinson, all the target competition vanished. So then you don't fade TJ Hawkinson, right? Good shock, TJ Hawkinson. Just, I, I the glow from this game, it's just, you don't, I was just refreshing the box score uh, watching that game just tick. Every time I opened the box score, there was like 10 more points added. It was amazing. Let's, uh, another round of applause for me. Yeah, but, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, mm, eh, a little bit worried, a little bit worried. Uh, he could not hit uh, Christian Kirk deep ever. Uh, and, and again why player profiler exists is it surfaces that Geno Smith is actually good. So if we were to, if we were to go to the Geno Smith advanced metrics, you would find that he is like leading the league in a number of of advanced metrics. this was coming into this le- he had number one 79.8% true completion percentage number one in clean pocket completion percentage. So when he has time, no one was more accurate and it helps. It helps, right? It's a symbiotic relationship. DK Metcalf on one side, Tyler Lockett on the other. There should have been no surprise that Geno Smith would exceed expectations. We're drafting him in superflex and two quarterback leagues as our fourth quarterback, sometimes third quarterback out of desperation, but he's also top 10 in red zone completion percentage, pressured completion percentage, uh, accuracy rating top 5 so in any given ball like forget the hands of his of his wide receivers put all that aside in a out of 10 rating system that we have for accuracy 8.3 per attempt incredible incredible that was the reason that was the reason we cited on the Rotor Grinder show for just going all in on this game but in specifically the Gino with Metcalf and Lockett, And if Metcalf catches a touchdown, right? I mean, then it's a 30 point We Then it's, it's so, it, it, I mean, what are those touchdowns from like Disley or goes to, goes to Metcalf? I mean, process wise, it was epic. He had 150 receiving yards. I mean, no, it, it wasn't like Millie maker winning quality performance from, but just the way, it, yes, of course, Hawkinson, but, it feels good. It feels good. And it's the Lions, too. It's It feels so good when it's the Lions, which is a team that you were so bullish on all year, to the point where I stopped mentioning them. I wanted to stop talking about them. I was like, well, we can't keep talking about the Lions. I'm like, no, you're drafting DeAndre Swift. No, you're drafting St. Brown. No, you're drafting Jamal Williams. You're drafting Ev- all of them except Hawkinson, I believe. Because we had we had D- J.J. Zacharisen came on and had a really compelling case against Hawkinson. Which was predicated on all these other guys being healthy, right? We, we loved shark like number like I think Billy Muzio's most rostered player in the ffWC was DJ shark. So I mean, it was like crazy uh and then it was just a, a little ironic right that it was it was Hawkinson that had the day and he was the only guy we weren't the most bullish on. uh but that's because everyone all the other top players were injured. That, that helps uh, for the law of the conservation of targets, right? So the law of conservation of targets comes into play in a big way. That concept that we coined uh, originated on this show feels so good to just talk about something for so many weeks and months and then for it all to come true in like the most epic way with Geno Smith on the other side. And by the way, uh, Evan Silva and I were going to do a show tearing apart the Seahawks. And inevitably, we would have mocked Geno Smith on that show. I, I I would have, right? I mean, what a downgrade from Russell Wilson. Now it's like, uh, did they know something about Geno Smith that we didn't? Apparently, they did. And I'm, I'm really, I'm just, I'm so impressed with Geno Smith in that he has persevered. He was uh, mocked and ridiculed uh, on a loop incessantly in New York. And that would have broken mentally. That would have emotionally broken a lot of people, a lot of quarterbacks. We'll see if uh, Zach Wilson can endure it. We'll see. We will see. Two interceptions uh, already. So, but got the win. Continues. Just, just keeps his head up. Like has has a, a positive disposition about the whole thing. Uh, apparently, he's got a, he's a nice guy, cheery demeanor, and a positive attitude, and just just keeps playing. It's like, hey, I'm making millions of dollars to play football as a backup quarterback. I'm gonna I'm gonna lo- live my life and love it next thing he knows he's a starter and he's like i guess i can do this i, I guess i can uh, you know he keeps that confidence in himself and then boom it all happens for him i'm just so happy for him i'm just so it's so it's so great and you know when i look when i talk about efficiency check this out so we got a little chart here a little efficiency chart so this was uh this was from rbsdm.com okay and my face is obscured so we'll come over here So look at the quarterback efficiency in 2022 through four weeks, okay? Look where Geno Smith is. Now, Kenny Pickett, that's a small sample, but very encouraging, right? We asked the question, why not just get it over with and start Kenny Pickett week one? Well, uh, Mike Tomlin fucked up. Mike Tomlin, probably they would have an extra win if, if... They had Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett looks good. Kenny Pickett's always been better than Mitchell Trubisky. He was better than Mitchell Trubisky uh, last year when he was in college. He was better than Mitchell Trubisky this summer. And yet they didn't start him because they had this faux sort of meritocracy, especially in Pittsburgh where they have to give deference to the veteran and then that costs them games. And yet Pittsburgh's viewed as one of the great, you know, well-run organizations where they're costing themselves games with this arcane attitude. And I I like... uh, So... With all the you know positives and negatives, right? All the attributes, all the positive attributes, and all the flaws. You know, Mike Tomlin is an above-average coach, but this disease that he has, which infects so many other coaches, where you just you have to give the the starting nod to the the veteran you brought in for the first four weeks, and then if you go one and three, it's like, well, where we? What do you think your record would have been had it been Pickett? I don't know, right? So. Yeah. The Steelers are currently 1 and 3, right? And uh you know, if they had started Pickett, maybe they win that game, right? Maybe they 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 scored 0 points in the first quarter. Maybe they scored a touchdown in the first quarter and win that game 27-24. It's very conceivable. So right there there's a game they could have should have won at home against the Jets had they started Pickett, probably win that game. So they would have at least been 2 and 2. Had Pickett been starting all year, potentially 3 and 1. So that's that's the price. That's the price uh, of, of this uh, irrational veteran deference that infects the NFL. And I don't know where we're at with takeaways. Like I'm you know, I, I, I didn't count the takeaways and we're not uh, we're not going through all the takeaways like we normally do. Well, we should. I mean, Cody said that the people really like that, that I go through all the takeaways and then we come back and then I actually dig into the details of the takeaways. So we will do that. We we will do that. This is the thing we're going to do. Once we talk a little bit more about this Geno Smith efficiency, so let's take a look at this chart because it is something special. So we're looking at on the X axis, okay, you've got the uh, completion percentage above expectation. And then on the Y axis, you get got EPA per play, right? So you can see Trevor Lawrence is neither completing passes that he should be completing, and they're not uh, gaining points on a per play basis. They're actually giving away points that they should be scoring, and a lot of this admittedly is heavily weighted toward air yards so this model is not necessarily a model we created okay and i can tell by looking at this model that it's heavily skewed by air yards and and but typically our modeling would have more accuracy rating data in it so you take this somewhat with a you know uh you know a tempered uh, enthusiasm for the accuracy, you know, sort of uh, temp your expectations on, on exactly the, the, the measurement, the underlying modeling that's going on to set this, these data points. Um, not necessarily what we would have created, I'm sure, because I, I could tell right away when looking at it, I was like, oh, this is heavily skewed by air yards. And you got to watch out a little bit when people do that, because not all air yards are created equal. Uh, and it is possible for a quarterback just to heave the ball downfield like Jameis Winston on a loop. And then, as you can see, you know, his uh, expect, expectations or de- delivery on expectations uh, is, is in the middle with a bunch of other quality quarterbacks. And it's like, well, I don't I don't know if that's actually true. So Josh Allen below Cooper Rush. Right. That's interesting. Right. Justin Fields not as bad as you would think. Jalen Hurts worse than you would think. But Trevor Lawrence is the big surprise here. Trevor Lawrence. This also tells you that maybe, maybe we uh, Mariota's time in Atlanta, uh, uh, could be coming to a close. So that's uh, that's just something to file away, right? File that one away. Not saying it's going to happen, but uh, just just uh, you know file it away. You know, Mariota hasn't been good as a passer. I mean, look at look at what happened. I mean, Pitts. Nothing, right? London last week, uh, let's see, what did he do? Uh, Nothing, right? So Mariota is uh, becoming a problem, and uh, Desmond Ritter time is uh, not upon us, but it's coming. I mean, this chart tells you that Desmond Ritter's time is coming this season, so that's the takeaway there. But just, again, Trevor Lawrence could be a sell-high, especially in Dynasty. You can get a treasure trove of assets for Trevor Lawrence. Now might be the time, right? Although he's faced a couple, uh, you know, absolute monstrous defenses in back-to-back weeks, and the Chargers and the Eagles, you know, all werewolves, as Austin Eckler likes to say. So he 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 faced some werewolf-style defenses the last few weeks. But for now, the perception is that Trevor Lawrence is uh, is taking his rightful place among the elite quarterbacks, and the efficiency numbers tell a different story. So take take that for I have a little bit of Trevor Lawrence, uh, but unfortunately in that league that I have Trevor Lawrence, the one league I'm thinking where I have Trevor Lawrence, I also have Tua so I, I, and Deshaun Watson and Mac Jones. <laughs> that's a true story. It's like, so if I trade, I can't trade Lawrence or because uh, you know, I, I have nobody. So uh, that that's not happening, but you could. trade. You could trade. Now would be the time. It would be, I mean, it's balls, right? It's balls. I mean, cajones, cojones. Cojones. To trade Trevor Lawrence right now. But not crazy. Right? It's not crazy. It, in fact it could be viewed as wise. So it just depends on what you get back, right? It's just and I, I said, the pod father told me to sell this guy. Yeah, I said sell high. Sell high, meaning put this guy in the block. And you might be surprised with what kind of, you know, wild offer you get. Where it's like, oh wow, someone really loves Trevor Lawrence. Right? That brand equity from Clemson, like it's it's still reverberating years since he was at Clemson. So, you never know. You never know. We could talk talking about multiple first-round picks. You get another quarterback coming back, plus maybe other assets in exchange. I mean, there, there's a lot of things you could potentially get for Trevor Lawrence, especially in two-quarterback and super-flex leagues. Dynasty, right? Dynasty, super-flex, and two-quarterback leagues specifically. He's very difficult to acquire. People know that. So, they're going to pay up. They're going to. And looking at this chart, you might think... It's worth a shot. Just put him on the block. I say put Trevor Lawrence on the block. I'm saying it right now. Put Trevor Lawrence on the block. See what happens. But not Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not a sell high. This chart indicates that Geno Smith is actually a guy that you want to just ride out. Ride him out, baby. Why not? Ride him out. He's playing terrific and he has great weapons. Why not? Why not? G- Look at it. I mean, this is cr- that's wild. That is just crazy. I love it. I love it. So we'll summarize the takeaways. Uh, Russ Sutton stacks hit that was terrific. We are dominating the Scott Fish Bowl. The player profiler, Roto Underworld, uh, sort of a super team is dominating the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, we're going to talk about the process. The process of why you drafted certain players like St. Brown and Diggs, and why we didn't draft certain players like Mooney, and then where we went wrong, where we decided to ignore. The the, the the notion that the best players and the most production comes from the best teams. And the te- if your teams are going to be turning up the pace of play and the pass volume, you need to be investing in those teams. And so that was the process behind a lot of our picks. And then we ignored that process with a handful of, of redraft fades, unfortunately, which we will talk about some of those mistaken fades. Uh, process-based. It's all process-based, not results-based. We're talking about process-based mistakes. Right where we, we're going to have to take the L on some players. We'll talk about that, as well as the players where we're, we're taking the W. And uh, so we will compare some players and players that were, that were seen as similar, but in the context of their offenses, one should have been much more valuable than the other. We need to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We also need to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus Jonathan Taylor, which we will. We need to talk about Damian Pierce. My daughter watched some Damian Pierce, and she had thoughts on Damian Pierce. We're going to talk about Brees Hall. Brees Hall and his comparison to Saquon Barkley. We need to talk about Javante Williams and his injury and Melvin Gordon and his fumbling. We need to talk about uh, the rise of George Pickens, the ascension of Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh offense. We need to talk about DJ Moore and what to do with him, Kyle Pitts, Michael Pittman, all in the context of you know, what offense do these guys operate in? Well, let's check out the 30-30 club, the guys that that are reaching a, a 30% air yard share and a 30% target share in week four. CeeDee Lamb's dynasty stock, talk about that. The Vikings, 3-1, we'll talk about that. Uh, we already know that, uh, you know, Geno Smith is a buy high. Trevor Lawrence may be a sell high, depending on what you can get for him. The Jags' defense is looking incredible, uh, even though they gave up, you know, 29 points. They look great doing it. And so uh, I, I would uh, look deeply at the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. We will. We're going to ask the question, who is Bailey Zappi? There is a Cooper Rush principal for Superflex Leagues we'll talk about. how Kyle Kyler Murray bailed out Cliff Kingsbury. That we have seen at Trey McBride and Chig Aconquo. 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 And then we'll talk about those that uh, started uh, Alvin Kamara. So that's the that's the that's the agenda for today's show. It's a pretty it's a pretty aggressive agenda. I don't know if that was I don't know how many takeaways that was. That was a lot of takeaways. Oh man, what if I get myself into? God damn. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh gosh. Oh man. Well, so let's let's just let's just kick it off here. Let's just let's just so Lions Seahawks. Yay. And uh, Russ and Sutton, that was a good process. You're not going to get me off that process. You're not going to come back to me and be like, you should have known that the, the, the Broncos would be 2-2 uh, two and, two and, and and Russell Wilson would be underwhelming. You wouldn't be a top-12 quarterback in fantasy. And I said, no, well, what is he? Russell Wilson, we know to be accurate. His accuracy rating is historically high on playerprofile.com, and he's pushing the ball downfield. That means it's going to happen for him. And through the first half, we were so celebrating. Like he was, he's rushing for a touchdown. He's airing it out downfield. Cortland Sutton touchdown. So he did deliver the rushing yards, the rushing touchdown, the two touchdowns. One of them to Sutton, and he actually threw the ball to his primary weapons in the red zone, right? So, or or those. One of them was a longer touchdown to Judy, a thirty-two yard touchdown. But regardless. Great work, great work by Russ, like consolidating these targets and the touchdowns specifically. And he got there. He was a great play. It was a great process play because why? The Raiders secondary, the Raiders defense. We know if there's going to be a, a game in which the Broncos were going to finally rise up, it would be this game. However, they only scored 23 points. So I'm going to take the W, right? So we're going to take the W on Russ and, and Sutton and, uh, be very cautious about playing any of these Broncos moving forward. Because, again, the process was right. This was a a quality offensive line. This is an accurate quarterback that pushes the ball downfield. And yet this offense is dysfunctional, and they've now lost Javante Williams. They've already lost Tim Patrick. So I am going to be sort of treading lightly with this offense. They should have scored more points than 23 points when you go to Las Vegas. So that doesn't count as a breakthrough, right? Even though it was good process and a good result, it's kind of crazy, right? It was a good process, good result, but it doesn't count as a breakthrough. And I still think we need to be tepidly enthusiastic about Russell Wilson and nothing more. Same with Cortland Sutton. And when it comes to Melvin Gordon, fumbles matter. Okay, we talk about, well, drops don't matter. Fumbles don't matter. Well, they do matter. Well, they matter if they cost the player playing time. OK, so ask Christian Watson if drops matter, right? When you drop a surefire touchdown in the first play of the season and then the next thing you know, your role has completely changed. I mean, you, you look down, you look up and now your role is, is completely different. You're no longer an outside wide receiver. You're no longer being run on double moves. You're now a jet sweep receiver. You're now at the, in the Tavon Austin role, right? You're now a gadgety flanker, a gadget flanker. Is not where you want to be. That's not a great source of fantasy football points. You're gonna have a few games where you, you you take a jet sweep in for a touchdown and that's it. I mean so that's where drops matter, right? And when fumbles matter is when they cost you playing time, when they when they break the trust of the coaches. Melvin Gordon's leading all NFL running backs in fumbles. That's not good. So what does that mean? It means that uh spoiler alert, a guy that we're gonna be talking about on the waiver wired show tomorrow. Is Mike Boone. You're gonna want some Mike Boone. Why do we like Mike Boone? Well, it used to be that we liked stashing Mike Boone in deep, deep leagues because he's up, he's on the Broncos. This is gonna be a great offense. Well, that's no longer true, right? So that's the problem. But he is super explosive. He is a, a close comparable to David Wilson in a good way. David Wilson was a first round pick, super explosive, but his career was derailed by a neck injury. Mike Boone is a lightly raced race car. He's just 27 years old, so I think you you love Mike Boone, right? You love Mike Boone as a stash. My guess is that Javante Williams' injury is a sprained knee. Uh, I'm going to go with a sprained MCL is my guess. I haven't seen the, the latest news on what the diagnosis is exactly, but I'm going to say it's at least like a grade 2 uh, or uh, potentially a grade 3 MCL sprain, and that's going to cost him at least 3 to 4 weeks, if not more, potentially 6 weeks. With a serious knee uh, sprain, uh, like a Nick Chubb uh, has experienced, one of those, uh, you know. And then, in in when Nick Chubb was out, Kareem Hunt underwhelmed. So there's no guarantee that Melvin Gordon is going to smash in Javante Williams' absence. But who did who did have some smash weeks when Chubb was out? It was actually dernis Johnson. So Mike Boone could be like an explosive dernis Johnson. Hey, right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that's. That's that and 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 that was pretty much like the the way we wanted to play DFS this past week was like I said uh less exposure to Bills Ravens wind down the exposure there ramp up the exposure on Lions Seahawks and uh and, and play some some Russ Sutton that worked out really well when looking at the the Lions Seahawks games also what I love about these game stacks and why we focus so much on game stacks you've noticed why you guys are focusing on game stacks so much it's because when you look at these new DFS prop games, the way you solve these DFS prop games is to go all in on a particular game theory for a particular game scenario, okay? So the theory of Lion-Seahawks is that it's going to smash the over, so you, you, could, you could go over on Jamal Williams and over on Hawkinson and over on Reynolds and over on Metcalf, and they all hit, and so that's how you can line up these props and you can get your 20x payout, right? That's, that's the beauty of it, right? And that's why we have these platforms like a No House Advantage. That's what they're all about. They're all about these parlay games where you stack props one top of one another and then you juice the payout, right? No House Advantage, check it out, get it in the App Store, No House Advantage, get it on, uh, you know, Google Play as well. Just go to knowhouseadvantage.com and use your promo code underworld when you do, or Podfather. They both work, either one. And uh, $25 instant deposit match. $25 instant deposit match at knowhouseadvantage and get ready, right? We tell you every week, that it's not just about the Millie Maker anymore, right? When you watch a show like the Stack Fest, it's not just about the Millie maker. It's about talking through scenarios where you can take overs. So for example, what we talked about on the stack fish show was with Russ and Sutton to also go either Devonte Adams. He hit his yardage over and, or Josh Jacobs. So that was the, that was the other logic. So then you could have, you could have absolutely hit on all of those, right? But the problem is, unfortunately, not all of these stacked up parlays hit. Even though it was great process, Sutton only hit 52 yards. So even though Sutton delivered with the touchdown and the 16 plus fantasy points, he didn't actually hit in a parlay game, even though I would have considered that great process. It was great process. Okay. It was. It was say what you want. It was great process. But so the process and the result is what you wanted because it, the game smashed so hard with the. Uh, Seahawks Lions and it was good process didn't quite get the result you've stacked all those parlays as we suggested on no house advantage code underworld for that $25 instant deposit match and then this week on no house advantage there's going to be yet more right we Dario does the first mover show on Mondays looking ahead to what are the games and the exact player values that we like six days from now so the the, the content machine is already churning here. And you've noticed that we have a new show on Saturdays, The Game Plan with Matty Uh, That's a, a, a podcast and a streaming show on Saturday. And we also have the Player Profiler Today show, hosted by Jack Cavanaugh. Interesting fact, Jack Cavanaugh, Maddie Quoom, and myself, were all top 100 in the Scott Fish Bowl heading into week four. No other provider, no other stat site, fantasy site, had three dudes in the the top 100 of the Scott Fish Bowl. The Scott Fish Bowl is the place that we all compete. It's the one true championship of fans versus analysts where every analyst participates. And there's no other fantasy football tournament where all the analysts participate. Doesn't exist. Like this is Thunderdome. This is our Thunderdome, and w- I'm undefeated. They're undefeated. The guys that are hosting the most shows on this channel, uh let's see, uh, the Podfather Matt Kelly and uh, Jack Kavanaugh, right? We're we're both top 100, and Matty Koom I think is top 15, and uh so there you go. There you go. By the way, Cody, I looked up Cody just just because I was hoping he would be in the chat today. And, uh, so I looked up Cody. Uh, so, uh, Cody's not in the top 1000. Unfortunately, he wasn't, he may, maybe he had, maybe he smashed this week. We, we know we Monday night football hasn't happened yet. Anything's possible. Cody ranks, uh, 1386, not bad, right? That's, that's, that's middle of the pack. It's like a 2,500 person tournament. Why? Why? Well, uh, Stephon Diggs, right? Lamar Jackson, right? That was the, These were two of the strongest takes we had in the offseason. And, and I look at my Scott Fishbowl team. Oh, there's Lamar Jackson. Oh, there's Stephon Diggs, right? Uh, Justin Jefferson, right? We, we knew that these wide receivers could actually compete on a weekly basis with Cooper Cup. Now, will they ultimately? Probably not. Will Cooper Cup be the number one wide receiver uh, in all of fantasy this year? Uh, probably probably, and uh, I, once upon a time, was not necessarily what you would call bullish on Cooper Cup, and we learned a big lesson, right, Cooper Cup smashed the Senior Bowl, and after that, I said, we're going to the Senior Bowl, Cody, you and me, we're going to the Senior Bowl, because the Roster Watch guys were like, you guys don't know what you're talking about, Cooper Cup is amazing, you're fucking up, even the the Rotoviz guys came on and said, hey, you, you need to look at Cooper Cup's special teams production, this guy's great at football, you guys are fucking up. And so we, we take all this advice and we say, OK, OK, we'll, we'll update our process. Not a big deal. We'll figure it out. Right. We're not going to whiff on a Cooper Cup again. It's fine. But once upon a time, I mocked Steve Smith, the Steve Smith, a former uh, star wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, who also at one point in his history as a football player broke a teammate's orbital bone right now. Again, a non superstar does that. He's uh, released. Steve Smith does that, and the coaches are like, hey, Steve, can you, can you just be, be nicer? Come on, buddy. So he's, he's a ferocious individual. He is not to be trifled with. I would never trifle. I'm not a trifler. I'm not a trifler, especially with people that could absolutely destroy my physical well-being and life force. They could suck my life force and destroy my physical well-being, so I don't trifle with those people. I'm not a trifler. I trifle more with a microphone, and again, uh, I did the thing that you're not really supposed to be doing, which is you uh, call people names. Now, I didn't mean to. I think I was joking. I think it was tongue-in-cheek because, as you know, I rarely come on here and call people idiots. I don't do that, and I was, uh, I don't know, I i, I think don't remember exactly how this went down, but it's just not in my nature to call people names. I try to like explain behavior, criticize behavior, criticize thoughts, ideas, but not, you know, just characterizing a, a person's you know, entire uh, identity as a particular, you know, uh, disparagement, right? I mean, that's just, that's just, it's rude, and it's inappropriate, and it's also just wrong, right? Because human beings are complicated, right? So, st- of course, I, I didn't think that Steve Smith was an idiot at the time, I uh, but somehow, some way, I thought it would be funny to say those words. And uh, as it turned out, um, yeah, that ended up on the internet. We ended up clipping it for YouTube. And you know, some people ask me like, why don't you take that Cooper Cup uh, video down where where you and JJ are mocking Steve Smith for having Cooper Cup number one in his uh, rookie rankings. Uh, and I was like, well, it's, it's, we're an open book here, right? I'm not hiding from any positions I've ever taken. Everything's on the internet, right? Anyone can go back in time and listen to any podcast and hear what I was thinking about any particular player. And we lay out our reasoning, right? Just like JJ came on this summer and laid out the reasoning behind why he wasn't drafting TJ Hawkinson. And then TJ Hawkinson completely smashes this week. Does that mean that JJ Zacharyson was wrong? No, no. When you look at what happened, well, their top two receivers were out. And if you actually listen back to the the totality of our show, we originated the phrase, the law of the conservation of targets. And if you can actually have the desire at one point in time, if ever, to run your own fantasy team, to actually you know wake up in the morning and turn your brain on, then you would have known, oh, Hawkinson's probably good shock today. Yeah. And you don't need me for that. Like, you don't, I don't I don't need that's the advice you don't need from me. OK, I assume you don't need that advice. Others might might appreciate me telling him, hey, play Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds got there in a big way. But you don't need me to de- tell you to play Hawkinson for Christ's sake. Right. And, and nor was the position to fade him before all these injuries wrong. He wasn't performing. Right. So we look back at the process and results. Hawkinson, when St. Brown and Chark were playing, was not delivering on his ADP. Right. So anyway, the totality of the takes is what matters and certainly uh my position on cooper cop in 2017 is time-capsuled forever on youtube and apparently apparently steve smith found it and uh w- with his partner's underdog 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 that underdog underdog did me dirty underdog was like hey steve we're going to do a we're going to do a clip of uh of someone from the internet that we found basically calling you an idiot, and we're going to play it for you. We're going to see your reaction, right? And, and then you could take it and do what you want with it. So, uh, you know, most people would be like, oh, Underdog, we're supposed to be partners. I mean, we talk we talk about the Underdog Resurrection Tournament, right? That's starting in week six. That's coming up, right? So you could play best ball starting in week six where we, we, we laid it all out. Like the week 15, 16, 17, 18 schedule. And we found a particular team. I remember we found member, we found a particular team that San Francisco 49ers, right? Have actually it's not the Jets, it's the San Francisco 49ers that have the best schedule during that period of time. And why do we do that? Because we're playing volume drafting in the underdog resurrection tournament. Promo code underworld, a hundred dollar instant deposit match. You put in a hundred, you get a hundred, and you can keep playing best ball even while the season is happening because it doesn't start until week six and then if you want to dive in and get a little bit of edge on your competition by studying the end of season schedule then by all means do the research and go win a bunch of money playing fantasy football that's what we're all here to do underdog fantasy promo code underworld 100 hundred dollar instant deposit match that's the max. After a hundred, we, we give you the, the deposit match up to a hundred dollars. So you, you put in a hundred, get a hundred. And uh you put in hundred and twenty, you get a hundred. You put in hundred and thirty, you get a hundred. So that's how it works. Love underdog fantasy. And beyond the resurrection, we there's the the gauntlet, right? Where you could play daily fantasy, snake draft daily fantasy. I love snake drafts. I prefer snake drafts. So my ranking system is auction drafting, snake drafting, and then salary-based drafting. And so if I can do a daily DFS game with A snake draft, well, I want to do that too, so that's great. There's so many reasons to love Underdog, right? Resurrection, Gauntlet, not to mention NBA DFS, NBA Best Ball, NBA Pick'ems, NFL Pick'ems. It's great, it's great. But they did do me dirty. They did did, uh, tee up Steve Smith to uh, make me look really bad, look really bad. But here's the thing, I celebrated it. I went, I, went, I went immediately to my wife, my daughter. I was like, can you believe this? Can you believe this? Steve Smith's talking about me. They're playing, that's me. And I'm sending it to Billy. Billy's like, oh, that's pretty funny. I'm like, that's me, Billy. He's like, oh, wait, that was you? I'm sending it to everybody. It's like, you guys don't recognize my voice? Has my voice changed? Very few people recognized my voice. I mean, members of the, here's the thing. This is the crazy thing. Can we just talk for a moment to everybody in this audience for a moment? This makes me both very happy. And very disappointed. Simultaneously, two things are happening. My friends and my family didn't recognize my voice. You did. So members of this audience, Twitter followers, show listeners. And then I realized, like, many of you listen to me and have heard my voice a hell of a lot more than my friends. Especially my childhood friends. And or even my family. Think about that. I'm closer to you than I am to anyone else in this world. That is both terrifying and magical because I don't know any of you. This is the weirdest thing. I don't know you. I've never met any of you. We have no emotional connection whatsoever. But you technically know me better than these people who I do have an emotional connection with. Like my sister's like, oh, that was pretty funny. And I was like, no, no, no. That that was my voice, everybody. That's me. Like, oh, really? And all of you, instantly, you're like sending me, you're forwarding it to me. You're like, can you believe this happened? And I know some of you are like, I haven't seen this. You can ever play this goddamn clip pod, father. And the answer is, of course I am. Here it is. I said, Cooper Cup was the best wide receiver in his class. I love Cooper Cup. I know you got uh, Corey Davis. I got I Cooper Cup as number one. His guy. cup's <laughs> never yeah. empty. And the dude said that steve smith is an idiot steve smith you're an idiot he said that cooper cup was his wide receiver one steve smith knows nothing about wide receiver evaluation he was the most well-rounded wide receiver in the game oh. Oh. Unbelievable. Oh. i said cooper cup was the best wide receiver in his class i love cooper cup i know you got uh corey davis i got cooper cup as number one his cups never empty and the dude said that steve smith is an idiot steve smith you're an idiot he said that cooper cup was his wide receiver one steve smith knows nothing about wide receiver evaluation he was the most well-rounded wide receiver in the game uh (laughs) uh yeah So uh, uh, that's the thing that happened. That video went up on uh, the uh, underdog Twitter account. So uh, cool. Cool. Yeah, I feel great. I feel great. I did feel great. That was the weird thing. It was like, what's wrong with me that I was celebrating just my own fame, my own sort of voice being heard by thousands and thousands of people at the expense of, oh, I don't know. Being correct. Being smart. Looking like a buffoon. Looking like an asshole. All of those things were true. And yet I was like, yes, I did it. (laughs) Steve Smith was talking about me. Randomly on the internet. I look terrible. I'm a laughing stock. Love it. Cool. Yes, we won. Like, how? This is crazy. And, uh. Yes, in the chat, Johannes is saying that this has turned into a mini mind of mansion that we we've strayed away from takeaways and that is true. That is true. I I will I will I, there's one big takeaway. Can we just get to the one big big takeaway? There's one big big takeaway, and that is you just wanted to double down on the great offenses in seasonal league drafts. This is a lesson we're going to continue to learn. I mean, we've been we've been building, right? We've been building, we've been getting better and better and better every year we're going to remember this. we're going to remember this moment next year. right there's a handful of teams that we could say hey, this offense has not been good lately in the past, but think but we're seeing trends, we're seeing pace of play trending up, we're seeing pass rates and we're seeing you know weapon upgrades, offensive line upgrades. so we'll we'll put our our uh, our foot in the ground, right? we'll 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 drive a stake into the earth on a couple teams. One of them being the Lions, but otherwise, so draft Swift, Saint Brown, right? Chark, go go crazy, go ham on the Lions, but otherwise, stay away from these historically bad offenses. Okay, just do it, and and you'll be you'll be very happy, and you'll you'll have sidestepped D J Moore and Darnell Mooney and and so many of these players that are underperforming like Kyle Pitts. Right. And then even like some some of the sort of micro decisions where it's not a bad offense, but it's it's a slower paced offense. So in that case, okay, we'd rather take the value on an AJ Dillon over an Aaron Jones, right? And in two similar players, two players that are exactly alike, like a like a Josh Jacobs and a David Montgomery. You definitely want Josh Jacobs in that case, because we knew that the, the Raiders would be in a lot more shootouts than the the, the Bears, certainly. So these are all the decision points. That would we're knowing the context of the offense is so important. That's why drafting Mike Williams was good process. Cortland Sutton, good process. I mean, no one knew, no one knew how dysfunctional this Broncos offense would be. So there's no reason to go back and 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 criticize those picks. So if you were drafting Mooney or DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin were Brandon Cooks ahead of those wide receivers, then yeah, that was that would have been a mistake. That would have been a mistake. But I mean, of all those wide receivers in that zone, the one that I was very comfortable drafting and it was a process based mistake was Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks are like, listen, I can't believe I fell for this. Davis Mills, right? Davis Mills was was by many measures the the best quarterback. Uh, among the rookies from last season. So, you know, and and Cooks, this is clear number one. We we have the uh, Tom Savage corollary from Houston, originating from Houston. So just keep using it with Brandon Cooks. No one pushed back drafting Brandon Cooks in the fourth round. Nobody. But but if you had just focused on drafting receivers on great offenses, you would have avoided that pitfall. And then on the other side, you have uh, Rashad Bateman, He's technically underperformed his ADP. I believe that was good process, just like Dobbins was good process, right? Who I remember we talked about the the, the buzzards on social media coming at me for Dobbins, right? How you feeling now, guys? How you feeling? This is his second second game back from a major uh, knee reconstruction, so more to come from J.K. Dobbins. We knew this offense would would revert back to its uh, prolific. 2019 tendencies and sure enough it did we also believe that in the most important weeks of the season the Browns are going to have Deshaun Watson so you're going to want Nick Chubb Nick Chubb who is the number one running back in standard leagues he's top three in PPR leagues so he's uh Nick Chubb's actually uh number two in PPR leagues Nick Chubb has more fantasy points than Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey that's a thing that's happening right now so That was a great process. I I remember we drafted Nick Chubb over Leonard Fournette. And I was, hey, I I was mocked and ridiculed for that. Right? And, uh, nope. Sorry, guys. Dragged the wrong guy on that one. Uh, David Njoku. It looks like David Njoku is that cheat code late round tight end. What does David Njoku have? He has the elite athleticism. That's why... The same process that led you to drafting David Njoku is the process that led you to drafting Albert Akuik Boonham. It was the exact same process that led you to drafting Gerald Everett. Those were the three dudes in those later rounds that were on great offenses that had nice size adjusted athleticism. The only other guy we were drafting was Cole Komet, and that was a player on what, would, what was destined to be a bottom five offense. And so that player has lower upside and should not have been in the same class as... A player that's operating in the Chargers offense with great athleticism, right? Or what we thought would be a prolific Broncos offense with great size-adjusted athleticism. What we know that the Browns offense can exceed expectations early and then smash with Deshaun Watson late. That's David Njoku. The David Njoku, th- these these are tight ends with a 100-yard upside in any given week and multiple touchdowns. And already we've seen multiple touchdowns from Gerald Everett. We've seen a 100-yard week from David Njoku. It's happening. And David Njoku again, like back, right back to David Njoku. So now David Njoku now is 50% smash weeks on the season. So that way, there's always a guy and he always fits a particular profile, but it's not, it's not a sure thing, right? So that profile was Everett, Njoku, and Albert O, and it's a 66% hit rate. So I'm, I'm, you're, yes, of course, you were getting leverage on the field with Kelsey and Andrews in the second round. However, right. However, that was also the round where you wanted to draft a running back. You wanted to draft Saquon Barkley. You wanted to draft Nick Chubb. You wanted to draft DeAndre Swift. So, uh, unfortunately, this season there was only one second round, and that was where we were getting our running back, and that that saved us from some some real landmines like a Debo Samuel, right? If you're if you're like or by drafting by going after a guy like Cortland Sutton. Or Mike Williams, you you avoid the pitfall of a, of a Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, another guy on a team that projected to be you know bottom ten in scoring. So what is the real upside of a guy like that, right? And so if you look back, Brandon Cooks was a mistake. That's a mistake we're not going to make again. Another mistake in the same zone was to not be more bullish on Jalen Waddle because if you think about it, you got to be consistent. If you love Chase Edmonds because you believe this offense is going to take a step forward, then you also need to be open to the idea that Tua can support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers week in, week out. And you know Waddle has the big boom upside, but I was thinking of Waddle like I was thinking of Devontae Smith, being a guy that's more of a best ball receiver than a a, you know, a seasonal league, traditional seasonal league wide receiver that you can start week in, week out with confidence, Knowing that Tyree Kill was going to be the the center of gravity in that offense, I, I I didn't see it. But if you're gonna start with the premise that this offense is going to ascend, then you need to change that whole view of Jalen Waddle, right? So that's where there was. If, if you were gonna go back and, and criticize process, it's like okay, why? So you're you're not drafting Mooney, but you're gonna draft Brandon Cooks. That doesn't make sense. Fair, absolutely fair. Okay, it. You're going to draft Chase Edmonds. Good process, by the way. I stand by that process. Uh, but you're not going to draft Jalen Waddell? That, that doesn't make sense. Agree. Fair. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. But there's a deeper lesson. And the deeper lesson is to not let preseason narratives allow you to totally fade starting players. They don't have to be explosive playmakers. Starting players On great offenses, right? I'm looking up and I'm seeing Miles Sanders, 100 yards and two touchdowns. And this is a guy I've been drafting aggressively for five years. Has he even been in the league five years? Four years, three years, whatever, two years, maybe a year. I don't know, right? So if you love Miles Sanders, you know, in the third round last year or the fourth round last year, how do you not love him in the eighth round this year? And it's like, well, can he gain well? Well, he's hurt in preseason already. You know, they're, they're, you know, featuring Boston Scott in the red zone and and the coach is wearing a Gainwell t-shirt and it's clear that Miles Sanders is soft and he's so he's both physically soft getting injured on constantly and then emotionally mentally soft telling people not to draft him in fantasy football that he wasn't going to score fantasy points and are there any metrics around any of that analysis around any of those observations or any of those performance based or efficiency based or opportunity based not really. That's all t-shirts and you know softness versus hardness and you know preseason usage extrapolations that can lead you down the wrong road. Convinced me, yeah, I love this offense. I'm all in on AJ Brown, I'm all in on Dallas Goddard, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with the least expensive of these running backs. I'm gonna go the lesser expensive guy with Gainwell, knowing I this is a, this is an ambiguous backfield. Same thing with the Chiefs. Oh, Clyde Edwards is there but I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the guy that's you know 6 rounds later in uh, Pacheco or McKinnon right l- least l- less expensive guy right now I'm looking up and uh, both Sanders and Clyde Edwards hilarious are top 10 in fantasy points in PPR leagues Miles Sanders is ahead of Aaron Jones Joe Mixon Leonard Fournette and Jonathan Taylor I mean Jonathan Taylor is, is is it's it's a catastrophe. What's happened with Jonathan Taylor is a catastrophe just to put it in context. <laughs> I mean Nate List needs to be careful about this, right? So this context is important, but I just want Nate List to know he needs to be careful. Okay? Nate be be very careful Nate. Clyde Edwards Lare ES has 75.5 fantasy points this year. Jonathan Taylor 50. 75 to 50. Edwards Lare is a top 5 fantasy running back. Jonathan Taylor is, uh, not being productive and not, uh, healthy. It's also a bad offense, right? It's a bad offense who thought that they could bring in a retread quarterback to replace their last retread quarterback. And then that would sustain Taylor and Pittman and right. So that was the reason why to go AJ Brown over Michael Pittman, right? We did that in the, in the FFWC main event took Brown in the second round. Brown was a clear smash because that offense was set to ascend Colts offense, we, this narrative is because it's narrative based there's nothing, there's no metrics to support that somehow, some way, Matt Ryan was ready to have a career renaissance. All of his metrics, all of his advanced metrics, his 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 throw depth, his advanced accuracy metrics, all trending down last three years. And you think just because he's gonna go to Indianapolis that he's gonna somehow be better than he was when he was throwing to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Russell Gage, it's not, what? No, right? It even had Pittman last year. So it's like, how did that happen? Like, how did this, they, they just, I'm not saying you fade Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a, a, a super back. And there's certain super backs, like a Jonathan Taylor, like a Saquon Barkley, and we'll talk about Brees Hall in a minute. He's in the same class, where they are offense agnostic. Just look, Just look at, Christian McCaffrey, the last few years, offense agnostic. Okay. Doesn't matter. So you're not, that's the exception to the rule. If you're in the elite of the elite running backs, you can be a jet. You could be a Colt. You could be a Panther. doesn't matter. But Michael Pittman, he's not hundred percent. He has this quad injury. I believe he is a buy low right now. He's a buy low. If anyone's willing to, to, to sell low, but I don't know if anyone's willing to sell low yet. We may be a week away, but next week could be the big break. I, I, he was, you know, led his team in targets again with six, but only six targets. I think he's going to start commanding more targets. I think they're, they're, this offense is destined to rebound. But if they were going to rebound, it was against Tennessee, who gives up 10-plus fantasy points above the mean to opposing wide receivers. This was the week. This was the get-right week for Michael Pittman. So I am a 8 out of 10 worried about Michael Pittman. I still believe in him. I still believe this This offense is going to get a little bit better. So i I'm willing to uh, buy low, but only if it's a low point. So, there were some other running backs that crept into those middle round that those middle round picks, like in that edwards hilaire Miles Sanders zone, that we got wrong and we got right. So we said, hey, once Stevenson crosses that 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 Rubicon and he starts going before Damian Harris, you're out. Sure enough, he's not delivering, even though he's operating in a satellite back plus role, which we love. Big back, soft hands, satellite back plus roll. He's in the wrong offense. Doesn't matter. He's not scoring touchdowns. It doesn't matter. So that was a case, the Patriots, shockingly, where you wanted the lesser expensive player. The guy that was going in some, something. I saw drafts, he was going, Harris going two rounds later than Stevenson. So that was easy. That was a good process to avoid Stevenson because the Patriots offense was not going to be prolific. That was the reason why once Pierce's ADP got in a crazy place, like fifth round, nodded on Damian Pierce. Did Damian Pierce smash this week? Yes. Was it good process to not draft a Houston running back, rookie day three pick who does not have special athletic qualities? Was it good process to pivot away from that guy and avoid him? Yes. Absolutely. When you could get a Dobbins, when you could get a Dillon, Dylan, Absolutely. Stand by that process 100%. So, again, th- th- mistakes were made, right? Clyde Edwards hilarious. Should have had some exposure to him. Should have drafted him when he was available. He was falling like a stone. Same with Miles Sanders. These are offenses you want exposure to, so just soak them up. You can be even or just under the field, but you cannot fully fade guys like Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards based on the offenses they're on, especially if they're teed up for primary back roles. And they're being drafted in the eighth, ninth, tenth round in some cases for Miles Sanders. That was a process-based mistake. Not drafting Damian Pierce in the fifth and sixth round that was not a process-based mistake. Drafting Melvin Gordon was good process, right? Because we thought this offense would ascend with Russell Wilson. The injury to Javante Williams did happen, but what we didn't foresee was Melvin Gordon suddenly becoming a you know human fumbling machine. Didn't see it, right? But that process of of fading those wide receivers, especially on the worst offenses, would have uh, led you to avoiding Darnell Mooney, avoiding Deontay Johnson. I have Deontay Johnson in the Scott Fish Bowl. I don't love that, right? I didn't didn't make all the greatest picks in the the Scott Fish Bowl. I'm dealing with Deontay Johnson right now. But I am happy they've turned to uh, one Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett rushed for two touchdowns in the first two possessions. So you're going to want Kenny Pickett. You're going to want to pick him up. He's likely not available in Superflex or two quarterback leagues. I really hope he's not available. You should have been stashing him because Mitchell Trubisky was playing terribly anyway. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky was giving you the bare minimum anyway. And speaking of the bare minimum, Clough, Chase Claypool. What? Right? I mean, excuse me? Chase Claypool? What is happening? We got to bring Matthew Friedman on the show because he, he dragged me for suggesting that Chase Claypool switch to move tight end and now it's looking like a pretty good idea. It's looking like why, why not just have Calvin Austin out there stretching the field if this is what Chase Claypool is going to give you two targets and a bunch of nothing just play Calvin Austin. what's the point right Pickens happened Pickens is happening but no touchdown right no touchdown yet but George Pickens is young. he has a, the the early breakout so the 18.5 breakout age one of the youngest breakout age wide receivers in this class he has a 90th percentile 80th percentile speed score. So, if you have the breakout age and the speed score, I'm probably loving you, especially if you're still what 21 years old and now you get the quarterback upgrade, oh baby, it's on. It's so on with George Pickens. It's 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 a fun moment, but you know, the fantasy gamers are not all going to be jumping to start him week in week out because he didn't get the touchdown just get you the six catches 100 yards he crossed a hundred yard barrier what a great prop so there's some of these props that you can take are you know the juiced up props the George Pickens 100 yard prop oh that would have been good that would have been a good one so Pickens with the eight targets was double Deontay Johnson and quadruple Chase Claypool Chase Claypool put up nothing Chase Claypool had zero points zero yards zero points Quadruple Chase Claypool. This is going to be a trend. And we could have a shower narrative with Pickens and Pickett. They're both pick, right? Pick and pick. You still don't want to throw picks. So no picks thrown, which was cool for uh, uh, Kenny Pickett, except those three, right? <laughs> so it's all picks, right? It was all picks. It was a pick. It was a pick fest. That was a pick fest. Jet Steelers was a pick fest. And that you had three picks. Thrown by Pickett, and when he wasn't throwing picks, he was throwing to Pickens. George Pickens picked the ball. Kenny Pickett got picked. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Uh, pick. You're not going to get me to do it. You're not going to get me to say it. No, picked a peck of pickled peppers. Peter Piper, that guy. You're not gonna. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say the Peter Piper thing. I mean, you're not going to get me to say it. I might have already said it, but you're not going to get me to say it. I won't say it. I won't say it. Fine. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers. That's why, by the way, this is why we have this screen guard, this wind guard here on the microphone, because I pop my peas. But because I pop my peas, I'm great at saying pickled peppers and George Pickens, as well as picks by Kenny Pickett. I said it. I believe we have more takeaways, because, so you go to our Discord, right? So our our Discord is discord.gg forward slash player profiler. We have thousands and thousands of members, and I post my show notes for all the show's in the Discord. So now I'm, I'm committed. Like, I'm, I'm pot committed to the show notes. And I'm looking at the chat. And the chat wants me to talk about uh, Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs is playing well. He's playing a proper outside wide receiver position, which is a high-trust position in the Packers offense. You need to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust to play on the outside, and he is doing that, which means he is going to be productive. But he's on the Packers. And Lazard is the primary option there. Lazard is the alpha this week. It's not, it's not going to be Dobbs. It's not, right? It's going to be Lazard this year. I don't know what's going to happen next year, but I also know that Aaron Rodgers is about to retire. So I'm not that bullish on Dobbs. He had eight targets and less than 50 yards. So it was yards per target. was not impressive, but he did give you the touchdown. And he was clutch. He commanded targets late in the game when they were driving to kick the field goal to win. Dobbs was getting open, they were uh, laying off of him, so they were respecting his speed, which isn't good for those of us that were fading him. If he's going to be fast and he's going to force opposing defenses to respect his speed, lay off him, give him that cushion, then he can take advantage, just run a little curl, pitch and catch with Aaron Rodgers, it's not great. It's not great. I still believe this is going to be a run-first offense. They ran the ball uh, 33 times, not counting the Reverse touchdown to Christian Watson, or jet sweep, touchdown, whatever it was, the the wide receiver run, Christian Watson. Running back carries, totaling, 33. This is their offense. They want to be run, 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 pass, right? Run, run, pass. And uh, Aaron Rodgers only threw for 250 yards in five quarters of action because he plays slow, and they don't pass frequently. That is not a recipe for a number two receiver, so... Longer term, Dobbs has a has the potential to move into a, a feature role and be fantasy relevant. I don't think he's going to consistently be someone you're starting this year because of Lazard. I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the Packers. So I believe that we may Cody and I may get out of this whole Dobbs fade unscathed for situational reasons and opportunity based reasons, not because he's bad at football or soft. So we it, it's possible we get out of this alive. We get out of this Dobbs fate alive just because the offense is so pukey and Lazard is better and Aaron Rodgers is old. So this that that those are the those are the forces that could save us. Right? And the bottom line is if you were not drafting Dobbs it's not going to hurt you. Right. Do- you, your Dobbs is not going to be the reason why you lose a championship in fantasy football, right? He can't hurt you. Fading Olave could absolutely kill you, right? So that's the difference between you fading one guy versus the other. Where Olave clear path to being a uh, featured weapon in in a in a, a pass first offense, especially if all their running backs keep getting hurt. And Olave being one of the most uh, sort of versatile and explosive talents in the league, Dobbs is not that, right? So if it were 2014 and Dobbs were in the Donald Driver role, yeah, he could be super productive, right? As the the Donald Driver to Alan Lazard's Greg Jennings. But in this modern Packers offense, this slow run-first offense— If Donald Driver were out there, he'd be giving you what Dobbs is giving you, and he wouldn't be a guy you'd want to start in fantasy football. That's the important context. One, just a brief observation about the wide receiver core in New York. No Joe Flacco is bad for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, clearly. Uh, Corey Davis, on the other hand, does make more money than all the other Jets wide receivers combined. So I just want to I just want to make sure that everyone is aware of that. That is a fact that we continue to bring up this off season and we'll continue to bring it up uh, for the rest of this season. Don't be surprised. I have Corey Davis in the Scott Fishbowl because he fell, you know, deep into the the double digit rounds and I was like, "Well, he is technically the de facto alpha when healthy as the the guy that's making all the money and it, it's also funny to think back to this this Steve Smith video I don't know if you guys, have you've seen the Steve Smith video of Steve of C, Steve Smith playing my audio from YouTube have y'all has this has anyone seen this i said cooper cup was the best wide receiver in his class I love cooper cup I know you got uh Corey Davis I got I cooper cup as number one all his cup's never empty And the dude said that Steve Smith is an idiot. Steve Smith, you're an idiot. He said that Cooper Cup was his wide receiver one. Steve Smith knows nothing about wide receiver evaluation. He was the most well-rounded wide receiver in the game. Just a reminder, just a quick reminder to go back to that class. Why we didn't have Cooper Cup uh, ranked in the top three, even. Uh, It was uh, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, and uh, Corey Davis. So Corey Davis was the guy we (laughs) wanted. It was Corey Davis season that year in the NFL draft. He went number one in the first wide receiver uh, drafted. And uh, I agreed with that. I agreed with taking Corey Davis there. I thought he was a phenomenal prospect, one of the most productive uh, college wide receivers of all time, regardless of conference. He uh, had the size and he fit the archetype of player that uh, we coveted at the time. Now that teams have started to play cover three on a regular basis and incentivizing teams to throw to the slot receiver, that means it's wheels up for Cooper cup every single week, St. Brown every single week, but that was 2017. So that was a long time ago. And defenses were playing very differently back then. That's my excuse. That's the excuse I would give, but there was no excuse for calling anyone, any names. Steve Smith's not an idiot. He's actually very tough, very brave. Came back from. He's the original. Like I actually have used his example multiple times. If he's the original super Achilles tendon healer, so he was evidence to, to to draft a guy like James Robinson. You know. So and that was the other thing. If we were if we were thinking that oh oh Travis Etienne is a buy because this Jaguars offense is going to take a step forward, which they have in spite of Trevor Lawrence's inefficiency, and we were we were saying well Cam Akers is going to operate in a, in a top tier offense, so he's looking like a value. And you have to disregard the claims of these Twitter doctors screaming into the void about the Achilles tendon. Just avoid all that nonsense. Avoid those narratives. Fine. We were right to avoid those narratives. On James Robinson, especially, the same logic you use on ETN should have applied to James Robinson, just like the same logic you use on Edmonds should have been used on Waddle. Another lesson learned from from draft season. So we're going to be more consistent about the logic we use and the reasons why we're drafting players. And... Be careful not to fade players who are primary options on elite offenses, no matter how much you have invested in fading them and how much you have emotionally invested in their demise, like a Clyde Edwards hilarious, though the fact that he continues to score touchdowns on one, two, or three total yards is is maddening to me. Two yards receiving with a receiving touchdown. Zero yards rushing with a rushing touchdown. Fuck you. See why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. That was that was inappropriate. Why did I, I don't know why I did that? Uh, George Pickens also joined the thirty uh, thirty club. So any the first time a wide receiver joins this club, it's always a big deal. We ring the bell for him. So we ring the bell for George Pickens. We got to get back to George Pickens. I can't get enough of George Pickens. Ring the bell for Pickens. The 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 thirty percent air yard share, thirty percent target share club this week. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson as expected. Also Christian Kirk, also Marquise Brown. Another great pick in the fourth round over Darnell Mooney and Brandon Cooks. DK Metcalf. Oh, suddenly DK Metcalf's in a good offense. Oh, fading him, looking like a mistake. George Pickens. Hey, the aforementioned George Pickens. We know he's in the club and also CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb looked like an alpha. CeeDee Lamb's dynasty stock has stabilized. That's another takeaway. That's good news. On the Dominator show, we talk about Cleanup Sunday. How in these high-stakes leagues, waivers run Sunday morning. And one of the things I did Sunday morning for Cleanup Sunday was I went out and I picked up the Jags' defense everywhere. So I knew no one wanted to start them, and they were wildly available because they were playing the Eagles. But I also know their schedule gets uh, really soft, and that they are one of the highest-scoring defenses in the league. Why not just come to terms with the fact they have a great defense? I picked them up, I benched them, or actually started them in one in one. Uh, sort of team where I had no depth and what happened? Oh, they scored right. The defensive touchdown, even against the Eagles. I didn't expect that. So they're going to score a defensive touchdown against the Eagles. It's a playmaking ball, Hawking defense. You want the Jags defense, they're elite and you should have cleaned it up and, 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 and rostered them Sunday morning. Shame on everyone that didn't do that. Who is Bailey Zappi? It's a question in the chat. Who is Bailey Zappi? What do we do with Bailey Zappi? Well, With Bailey Zappi, you follow the Cooper Rush corollary, which means that in Superflex and 2QB leagues, if a quarterback comes available, you bid aggressively on that guy and either play them or try to trade them, and at least you're going to pull those fantasy points off the scoreboard for your opponents. So you need to go out and try to get Bailey Zappi in Superflex and 2QB leagues because it's going to be maybe another week or two before Mac Jones returns. It's a high ankle sprain. Those are multi-week injuries. You want to go out and get Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush looks good, right? The Cooper Rush corollary. No matter how sort of uh, anonymous the player seems, if it's a quarterback in a super flex and two quarterback league, you pick him up. Same reason I picked up Geno Smith in the, in the Scott Fish Bowl. So now I don't need to play Geno Smith every week. I can mix and match Geno Smith and Derek Carr. And also my opponents will never have Geno Smith. I never run into the problem of, of my opponents playing Geno Smith against me. So you, every week is bully quarterback week in Superflex and 2QB leagues. That's the that's the lesson of Bailey Zappi. Also Bailey Zappi fun fact, he had 6000 passing yards in college. He looked terrible at the combine, but it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. He he's a gamer. Some players are gamers. They can look bad at the combine. Romeo Dobbs. Dubs Bailey Zappi could be looks like the Romeo Dobbs of or Dobbs. Dubs Dobbs. I have said both. Billy Zappi could be Maybe is, probably is, the Romeo Dobbs of quarterbacks. So pick him up wherever you can. It's too late to go get Geno Smith in Superflex in two quarterback leagues. Sadly, needed to be on the ball like I was. I even picked up Joe Flacco at the time, right? And I didn't use him, but no one else could either. That's just, you follow that principle. You follow that rule. Cliff Kingsbury's hanging on by a thread. I know they're winning, right? Congratulations, you're 2-2. Two and two, Bailed out by Kyler Murray the fate of James Conner looking more and more prescient but uh it's it he can't rely on Kyler Murray bailing him out in the fourth quarter every week. Cliff Kingsbury needs to help his quarterback, help his team, show some creativity, something, anything, right? Because he is going to be without a job. He is going to be looking for a job one of these like, you know, Big Sky conference jobs. He's going to be, you know, at Utah State soon enough. So that's that's a clear takeaway. Also in that game, Trey McBride. Hey, Trey McBride. Anytime rookie tight ends that we like start to get some run, that's exciting, right? So it seems like every week it's it's someone else. It's some other athletic, right? Some some athletic tight end that's doing well. Who else? I mean, the uh, Chig Aconquwa, right? Chig Aconquwa. It's 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 uh, Jalen Woods was the uh, the last guy, right? Jelani Woods. Right? Jalen Woods. Close. I mean, his friends call him Jalen, right? Right. It's Jelani. But it is his friends call him Jalen. It's fine. Uh, what is what do we like about Jelani Woods? Uh, 90th percentile athleticism across the board, right? So there's actually a bunch of exciting tight ends in this tight end class. Guys from smaller schools or guys that were on out of Virginia, like Jelani Woods, Aquankwoo, same thing. Now we have McBride. So I'm always hopeful. I'm always hopeful that there's going to be a tight end class that gets us out of this tight end rot, right? So we've been in a in the tight end uh, dark ages for years, and now there's a glimmer of hope because week in week out you see these uh, athletic tight ends making plays, scoring touchdowns. This could be the, this could be the draft class. This could be the tight end draft class that, that digs us out of this where there's like three tight ends that you want, right? So that's exciting. And finally, For all of you complaining, I mean, I don't think anyone in this league is complaining, but I've heard that there are fantasy managers complaining that they started Alvin Kamara unfairly, that they didn't get the news, it was too early in the morning, they were asleep, it was West Coast, the game was early, the schedule fucked them, and they ended up starting an empty Alvin Kamara, and that's the reason they lost, and my response to them is, uh, eat it. Eat it. I believe I started Camara somewhere. I think somewhere in some patron league, I started Camara. I'm sure I did. I have been a bunch of leagues. I'm sure, there's no way I was able to get him out of all my all my lineups in time. And what? And it's called the schedule, right? It's the schedule. And and there's plenty of people that work nights, that drive trucks, that have difficult jobs, that 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 pave roads. In the middle of the night. That's when that's when most roads get paved. You know, most roads get paved at 2 a.m., right? And they're just getting home from work and they're checking the inactives and they're able to make that transaction no problem. Right. So that's quite the privilege you have to be able to sleep in on a Sunday that other people don't. And then you're gonna complain that the NFL schedule, which has been up for months, was somehow unknown to you, right? So my my response to that request. So don't fix my lineup. Let me let me retroactively take out Camara is you need to eat it. You need to absolutely eat it. And all those people, if you're if you're a commissioner or if you're a, if you're managing a league and you have these whiners, these crybabies coming at you soaked in this privilege that the league needs to bend the rules and make special exemptions for them. They need to shut up. All those people. If you're if you're a commissioner, or if you're a, if you're managing a league, and you have these whiners, these crybabies coming at you, soaked in this privilege, that the league needs to bend the rules and make special exemptions for them. They need to shut up. Anybody? Anybody out there? Right? Don't we have an applause sound effect? It's like I'm eating at my own restaurant. Isn't that great? That's great. Let's uh. Where are the sound effects? Why don't I have? Where's my sound effect board? I can't find my sound effect board. Oh my God! Where's my? It's missing. I don't know where it went. Oh damn it! Audio monitor. I don't know. I don't know. I'm missing my sound effects board. It's around. It's somewhere. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Some applause. We'll put it in the. We'll put it in the uh the podcast right. Some, some applause sound effects, might as well. If there's going to be a, a game in which the Broncos were going to uh, finally roar or, or rise up, it would be this game. The Broncos were going to finally roar. Steve Smith, you're an idiot. And the dude said that Steve Smith is an idiot. Steve Smith, you're an idiot. Steve Smith, you're an idiot. And the dude said that Steve Smith is an idiot. Steve Smith, you're an idiot.